Praise God. Praise God. Just stay on your feet there just one moment. Just want to pray before we come to the Word. Pray about all the things that we've been preaching about. The words that have come over these last weeks about our marriages, our homes, our children, and indeed the city and the world. God, I pray that we, the Scripture warns us not just to be hearers, but to be doers also. And God, I pray that we wouldn't become so churchified that we just sit and hear and, and, and never do. God forbid. God forbid. God forbid. I pray that what I hear and what I see here will make me a better husband. I pray that what I hear and what I learn, God, for the women, that will make them better wives. I pray it will make us better fathers and mothers, better neighbors, better citizens of this city, able to pray aright and to help those in need. God, we ask you particularly tonight as, as we look at the expectations which destroy the lives, uh, the, 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 the happy lives of so many and make them so sad. You ask if we lacked wisdom. If anyone lacks wisdom, just ask and I'll give it to you abundantly. And God, in, in, in terms of marriage and happily married lives, we ask for wisdom on this area. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Please be seated there. On your seats, you will find a sheet, and we're on side two, looking at unrealistic expectations. Unrealistic expectations with regard to marriage. Many years ago, I, I was serving in a church, and I was part of a pastoral team. There was six or seven pastors, and it was a, it was a happy team. Different pastors had different needs. One of the men was particularly needy. He had lots of problems and the senior pastor used to give him a lot of time, a lot more time than he did the rest of us. He would visit him more, you know, pastor him more, care for him more, socialize with him far more. And it was obvious to everybody that that was happening. And this one day we were, we were all together and this pastor who has had so much input he like blows a gasket, you know, he kind of explodes. We're sitting in the room and out of the blue, he, he just lets his anger rip. And he says to the senior pastor who has given him so much, he turns to him and said, well, anyway, you don't care about me anyway. I mean, you, you never help. You never, you know, look after my family. You never do this. And I was, wow, that's actually a lie, you know. I was shocked and the senior pastor was gutted. He was hurt, deeply wounded, and he couldn't defend himself. And he was, he was looking to me. He was looking, and he let him finish and he said, and he was very wise. He thought, I'll just be quiet. I said, Mike, have you got any comments to make? I said, absolutely. And I turned to that pastor. I said, I won't say his name. <laughs> Your expectations of a pastor are absurd. They are ridiculous. And what's more, what you've just said is, is completely erroneous. What's going on inside your head? Because it's completely wrong. It's, you've got to get that stuff out. He was unhappy in his relationship 
with his overseer. That's always going to lead to problems. And remember, I've warned you many times, always be careful about that. I don't entertain accusations mentally. That guy had fallen for the simplest of mistakes and it had wound him up. But my point is he was dissatisfied with life and he had no cause to be. It was unrealistic expectations of what a pastor could do for him. Well, the pastor is not going to wash your dishes. Amen. Well, he might do, but it's not on his agenda. You know what I mean? And this guy's, it was just ridiculous. You can have that about your pastor. You can have that about the church. Many people have that about the church. Listen, guys, there's things the church can do for you. But believe me, there's a lot of things the church can never, ever, ever do for you. It's just not going to happen. In fact, there's things that God will never do for you. Things you're going to have to do yourself. Remember, in fact, one day we had a list of both on that board right there. The things that God will do in our lives and the things that he will never do, like renew your mind and things like that. And tonight's topic of of unrealistic expectations in marriage, I am not overstating it when I say this has got to be one of the chief causes, listen carefully, not so much for divorce, for unhappiness, for unhappiness daydreams when the things that people expected were so crazy and I don't know where we get the ideas from Mills and Booms yeah Hollywood or whatever a a world's perspective on love thank God for the Bible because you will not find unrealistic expectations you know the Quran the difference between the Quran and the Bible largely the bad bits are removed from the Quran the men never do anything wrong right And God doesn't tell you the story like that because that's unrealistic. The fact is, there's a lot, we we need to get real. Rose-colored glasses won't get you anywhere. And I thank God for that. We just need to get it into our minds. Maybe not the chief cause of unhappy marriages, but one of the main ones. I sat down the other day and I'm talking from my own experience, from a, a rocky couple of years that we certainly had in our marriage. Not just that, but experience with counselling many, many different couples from different cultures, different countries, different backgrounds, different education levels. And you start to see, a man's a man and that's that. All pretty much the same. Bible's correct. There's nothing new under the sun. Same problem they're having next door. It's the same problem I've got in my marriage. There's nothing new under the sun. And so the sort of things I went through will probably be very similar to yours. So I've just written out a list of seven, if you like. They're not the top seven. They're just the first seven came into my mind. This is the typical sort of statement you will hear a a single person. You won't hear a married person say this anymore, but you'll hear a single person saying it. Number one, I'm very unhappy as a single person. I can't wait to get married, so at last I will be happy. Easy careful. I'm generalizing, but I would say that it's, it's probably a fair statement to say that those who are unhappy as a single person, remember, become the right person, right? Meet the right person, become the right person. You meet the right person. You bring that to the church and all the things we've been through and what's love got to do with it, right? On which this is founded. It starts with me. Starts with me sorting myself out. And if I can't do that, then in my opinion, you might not agree, but in my opinion, married life is a lot harder 
It's going to be more difficult. I'll probably be more unhappy. And I bring you back to the statistics, the graph I showed you a couple of weeks ago. It's a fact. Now, I'm talking about the world. I'm not talking about you, your marriage, or your future. I'm talking about the world. This is a statistical fact. The couple get married. You remember the graph. They're happy, happy, happy. She gets pregnant. Up goes the happiness. They have the baby. Boom. Down it goes. Happy? No. Happy? No. Expectations weren't met. I didn't expect this. I didn't expect to be unhappy for a start. And then you know the story. It, it, it meanders and then it ends up back round about the case, the, 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 the original level whenever the children leave home. God makes them obnoxious so that they'll leave, you know. Amen. <laughs> That's the world's statistics, guys. Right? The world is uninformed, uneducated, and untrained. That does not have to be our graph. That does not have to be our story, unless we fail to, as we say, you know, heed these things. It's my opinion. I believe you're probably in a great risk of being unhappy married if you're unhappy single. So start with yourself. Statement number two, very common statement. The woman will often say, my fiance doesn't pray. He doesn't tithe. (laughs) But after we get married, I'll sort all that out. Will you? (laughs) I don't think so. You know, the, 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 the two different mindsets that are incredibly common. Do you know what the man says? My wife will always be the same. Not going to be any changes. And do you know what the woman says? I'll change him. Yeah. You know, there's this uh, bride getting married and her mother-in-law, whatever, takes her to the church and she says, now I need to teach you how to approach this wedding correctly. So I'm going to put you through some training. And she takes her to the church and it's a great big aisle and she stands her at the door. And she says, now on your wedding day, it's going to be difficult to get from the door to the altar. So this is what you've got to do. When you stand at the front door, focus on the aisle. Just keep your eyes on the aisle until you get halfway down. And the bride says, okay, aisle, aisle. He says, when you get halfway down, I want you to lift your head and start to focus on the altar. Right? She says, okay, aisle, aisle, altar. And then when you get to the top, you turn and you focus on him. Right. I'll alter him. I'll alter him. Joke? Yes. True? Absolutely true. They mean, women commonly believe, I know he's like this now. I know he doesn't lead me now. I know I've done everything for him now. You'll still be doing everything for him. Don't fall for that one. Right Now, this is a, 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 a kind of a slippery subject. And I'll tell you why. Does the woman alter the man? Somebody say no then? <laughs> yes. Yes. So, you, I mean, as these are connected, oh, right? That is your job. Your job is to raise him. Your job is to, 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 to help your husband grow. You're the help me. So does she alter the man? Answer, yes. Absolutely, she should. But this is the crucial bit. You don't have the right demand to demand those changes. Right? So, Jeanette married me. <laughs> what was it? What was the date? I've forgotten. Oh, that's me in trouble. The 22nd of January, right? Now, on the 23rd of January, she can't come looking for somebody else. I didn't change since yesterday. But listen real close, folks, especially if you're a strong woman. Strong women often attracted to weak men. You, could, you, you were 
Yet, you know where I'm going. Strong woman's attracted to the weak man. And she's saying, I'll alter him. And day two of that, you know, that marriage, she's out to change him. And then we get called, right? Come and sort him out. No, you married him. Look, You married that weak man. And it's not our job to sort that out in that sense. It's over to you. You knew what you were doing. And you made that choice. Now, yes, you will alter him. That's fine. And you should do it gracefully. But what you need to balance it with is this. Not today. Maybe not on the second day of the wedding or the second day of the marriage or the first six months or the first year. It will take time. Because the man's going to need to, to, to learn and grow the type of stuff we're doing right now. So will the woman alter the man? In, in, in that sense, she's right. She's speaking out of her prophetic nature. These are connected. She's recognizing herself. She's knowing her own DNA. However, it's the implementation of that DNA. It's the, it's the, you know, the way she handles that that is critical and leads to a lot of dissatisfaction and unhappy wives. Why doesn't somebody sort him out? You know, you sort him out, right? And that's just not going to happen. It's going to take time. Third statement. Things are so tough now financially. I can't wait to get married so we can have some money. Let's hear all the married men. Ha! <laughs> you must be joking, right? This, in terms of getting married, this for me was by far the worst experience. It's probably the, the hardest experience of my life. You know, they say before marriage, a man yearns. Y-E-A-R-N-S. He yearns for a woman. And after marriage, the Y is removed. He yearns, right? So you do. <laughs> Very quickly, in the first sort of six months to one year, I could not cope with the added weight of someone that I had to provide for. You know, single men, single men are a bit like Labradors. You know, if you see a Labrador on the street, they tear open bin bags, they're scavengers. You know, they'll eat anything. And single guys can be a bit like that. You know, life day to day is about getting by. And who cares? I don't care if I haven't got any dinner. What does it matter? And, and you can have that, you know, laissez-faire, lackadaisical attitude to life and enjoy it. Trouble starts <laughs> when you get married. Because now you can't do that. And something, I tell you, Scripture is true. The two do become one. And you end up altered inside and the soul just doesn't catch up too quick. And I, I hated that. I, I would, in, in retrospect, looking back on it, I would say the biggest mistake I made about being a single man and, you know, footloose and fancy free to getting married, the big mistake I made was in many ways, in my head and in my heart, I had, I had excluded God. Jeanette was my responsibility. And of course that's true. But I had, in some ways, taken all of that responsibility. I had not yet takes time to learn to walk in the grace of God. Amen? Doesn't happen as a new believer. Can take years. And it took me two years at least just to get a little handle that actually God is with us. It's not a two-fold cord. It's a three-fold cord. Sorry, Lord, I forgot you were there. Too busy trying to sort this marriage out. What are we going to do for money? What are we going to do about this? But God was incredibly gracious 
to us and helped us and really entered into our finances. So if you're getting married, guys, remember that fact. God is with you. Just remember he's there in practical issues like that as well. Statement number four. I'm so lonely now, at least after marriage, that won't be a problem. Sad one, this one. Because it it, it may well be true for many. And I'm glad to say that's probably the case for many. But it will not be true for all. There are many marriages that are incredibly lonely. and, And that's just the sad fact of life. So watch your expectations. Do the homework that we've been talking about. Put the practical steps into place. Lonely? Yes, many married people are lonely. This is not just about sharing a house with someone or sharing a bed with someone. It's a lot more to it than that. You can still be very lonely in that circumstance. Number five, I've been so sexually frustrated. At least now I'm married, I can have all the sex I want. Very simplistic statement. Very simplistic statement. Right Now, as we've been building these themes, you understand that good sex only comes out of a good relationship. But before you're married, the expectation may be, particularly men, that sex is a department. You know, the sex department. Right? And it isn't. It isn't. And then the couples, once again, in they come. What's wrong with our sex lives? It doesn't seem to work for us. We don't seem to be able just to to harmonize with this. Well, never mind about your sex life. I can already tell you that you're not praying together. I don't need to ask. Because if you were praying together, it is the most natural thing in the world. It's what we're made for, right? You're a human being. It's the most normal follow-on to love the person God has given you. But when that breaks down, it doesn't start there. It started there. So let's get right back to the beginning, right? Intimacy starts spiritually and then soulishly. When you enter the person's world, then and only then are we going to talk about sex, right? So I can have all the sex I want, only someone with a simplistic mindset outside of a marriage context would ever make such a statement. Number six. I'm glad the marriage classes have ended. (laughs) Now we can just get on with it. Yeah, sure. Your marriage classes never end, should never end. There's never going to be a time when you don't need to gain more knowledge or gain more understanding or grow together, right? Never, ever, ever. Don't let that be your mindset. We, you know, we need to grow through our marriages, not away from any baseline like this. Number seven. I thought the marriage I was entering was, a, was ready to go. <laughs> I didn't realize I was going to have to assemble it myself. Very true. I don't know if you go to Ikea or MFI and you get a, a, a flat pack. But literally marriage is a bit like that. You don't get the finished article. You get a kit. And you have to put the whole thing together yourself. Now if you get home with a box... And you expect false expectancy. You expect it all. Hey, praise the Lord. Bye, everybody. Off on your honeymoon. Back to reality. And the box is open. You suddenly realize bits all over the floor. What on earth is this mess? Right? Now, five, six years ago, I began to get IKEA furniture as we moved many, many times. And the first two or three times that I'd really had to do a flat pack. 
Now, this is the truth. Don't laugh at me, but this is literally what I did. I'd get the flat pack, and it'd be like a bookcase, you know? And I'd put it on the floor. I would get everything out. I would take the cardboard, the plastic, and the instructions. And I would take them all out. Sorry, I did. And throw them out, because I looked and said, an idiot could put this together. And then I would go, and I would start. And by the time you finish, the bookcase looks like an aeroplane or something, and you think... What's wrong with that thing? Back out you go and you get the instructions. And I did it a couple of times before I learned. It's not actually that simple. The wood might look the same, but it is not the same. The fact is your marriage, listen, it's not going to be ready to go. You are not going to walk into a marriage that's functioning. It, doesn't, it just doesn't work like that. It's going to take a lot of commitment understanding, input on your part to make that thing work. And failure to do this, it's just naivety. It's simplistic simplistic thinking. So they're just typical statements, if you like, that uh, people would make as they approach marriage, hopefully not statements people will make when they are married. What about solutions to false expectations? Well, solution number one, put yourself at the top of the to-do list. Don't project those issues or whatever onto your partner. Put yourself right there at the top and you start looking at the things that you need to, d- to deal with. And I would say to the wives, why not say to your husband, or uh, husbands, why not say to your wives, Tom, you could say, Helen, tell me the top three things that you would like me to change in my life. And Helen, or or Tom, you could say to Helen, the top 10 things you would like her to change. Is that fair? Praise the Lord. Why not go, why not go home and, and and, and, and sit down and say, look, I want you to be happy. I'm committed to you. Is there anything I do that annoys, or maybe we shouldn't do this. This looks like it's going to lead to trouble. Ask them, what, what would the top three things do? Now, you need to be sensitive about such things. But that would be a good thing to do. At least to be open, to grow in your marriage. If you're not happy or you, you think it's not quite where it should be, at least be open enough. And if you've got enough trust, that, 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 would, that would be a sensible thing to do. Second thing, make a decision to love your spouse through it all. They're not perfect. They're far from perfect. They're going to have all sorts of flaws and weaknesses that you don't know yet. You don't know until you marry them. You don't know people until you live with them in that way. And that's a fact. I mean, Jeanette, since we got married, God help Jeanette, she features a lot in these things. I always say to her, if you do anything wrong, the first thing I'm going to do is tell the church about it. Then I'm going to write a book about it. And then I'm going to put it on television. (laughs) When When I married Jeanette, I had no idea if she could do this or do that. But the fact is, very quickly, I learned that she, she's not that great at cooking, right? Just a fact. It doesn't actually bother me that much. But when Jeanette cooks in the kitchen, my Lord, you, it's like CSI. You would think there had been a murder in that kitchen. I'm telling you, it's on the walls. It's on the ceiling. It's a disaster zone. So I prefer to say to her, do you know what? I'll cook. I'll do the cooking. Because it, it can be like that. But it doesn't bother me. That would bother a lot of people. 
right? It was an expectation. It wasn't something I was... In fact, when I do the washing up, I put a white boiler suit on and go into the kitchen, you know? It's an expectation that would drive some people crazy, especially if you're fussy about food. So be careful. Watch those expectations. Cut them down to size. Point number four, uh, sorry, point number three. Discuss your expectations with one another. That's a very healthy thing to do. Tell your uh, fiancé or even your husband or wife, what are you expecting? What's going through your mind? What did you expect from this marriage? Or what do you expect from marriage? Number four there, ask for what you want, but the brackets are very important. Be very willing not to get it. Be very willing not to get it and just to let it go. Because the next one, accept your marriage. Accept that your marriage is going to be far from perfect. And you just got to accept that person as they are. I can remember the massive change in my life. The day that actually came when I accepted Jeanette just the way she was. It was last Saturday. (laughs) After all the struggle and all the hassle and all the pain, right, that I had put myself through, sorry, I had put myself through unnecessarily, right, a a day came when I realized, you know what this is? It's that lot. I've come into this with an absolute load of expectations that I had no right to, I shouldn't have asked for, and she wasn't actually involved in it. It was an internal decision, an internal comprehension. I'm crazy. I'll never be happy. No one could ever be happy trying to fulfill expectations that were never right in the first place. And if you hang on to them, they will destroy you. They'll eat and eat away at your joy. So you've got to put things down. Listen, your marriage is not perfect. It's not. Your marriage is not going to be perfect. You're going to have difficulties and you're going to have to accept that or it's going to be a miserable existence. Just accept it. Join um, the statistics. I forgot to bring them a couple of weeks ago. Apart from sex, couples that touch each other more often tend to be more happy. Just especially for the woman. Very important thing. Just to know that you can touch me, husband, and not want sex. Just to know that you can put your arm around me and not want sex. Very important part, especially for the woman. To know that she's of value and loved and treasured and cherished apart from sex. And as we mentioned last week, anger remains one of the, well, you know, one of the greatest enemies of any marriage. It was going to come up all the time. Jeanette will get angry at me constantly. I'll get angry at her constantly. It's just something you have to learn to cope with. It doesn't spoil any day. It doesn't even spoil a minute. You just get angry. Look, can we do it? Okay. And you become, you know, convivial, cordial with one another and you develop mechanisms for dealing with everyday life. And the last one there is, once again, a critical thing. Find out how you yourself are feeling. Sue, could you come back? Ask yourself, even right now, whether you're married or single, it doesn't matter. You ask yourself how you yourself are feeling about things. In other words, get inside your own head a minute. I shared this example with you before. It's an astonishing example. Listen to this. We were in Liverpool for a while, not pastoring, but we were attending a local church. And it was early on Sunday morning. We were just praying at home before going to church. 
And as we were praying, I saw a vision of the pastor. And he was shot, like he had been wounded or something. Not physically shot, but he was wounded spiritually. And the cause of the wound was not his fault. And the person who had done it, had done it because they were a smoker. Wow. Kind of funny. So I told her what I'd, what I'd seen in the vision. And I said, don't say a thing now. I'm just going to go to church. Say nothing. We walk in. The pastor and his wife are upset. And we go over. Say nothing. I said, what's up? Ah. And he was really hurt. Big argument. There was only four leaders in that church. Two couples. Big argument last night. Couples left. Church split. Wounded. Shot. Pastor. And I began to tell him, you know, I had a vision of you this morning. And God wants you to know that it's not your fault what's happened. And he was relieved, delighted. But that wasn't all I had to tell him. (laughs) The reason the guy turned on you, Pastor, and started to pick on you and shout at you. Do you know the reason? It's because he smokes. And I didn't know that that was going to make any sense. But Colin jumped up and turned to his wife and he said, I told you! I told you! It was the smoking that made him complain to me. He was angry at himself. I thought, praise the Lord. That was a cat out of the bag, wasn't it? You see, when a husband starts shouting at his wife, why are you shouting? When the wife's angry at her husband, why are you angry? And very often, the root source, people are just trying to offload You know, we get it every day of the week. Backsliders will come. The first thing a backslider will do is run the church down. You know, in bucketfuls. Because they're trying to get the attention off themselves. And project it onto you. And within a couple, within a marriage. If your husband comes home and he's in a foul temper. You're this. Stop a minute. And you need to say to him. What's eating you? Because I haven't changed. In fact, someone left this church recently. And they sent me a text message. And they said, you know, the the church is this, the church is that, the church is that. Uh, And I I got to speak to them eventually. And I said, the church hasn't changed one bit. church hasn't changed one bit. Same people. Something's changed all right. But it's you. You have changed. Your heart has changed. And we need to get to the root of it. So whether you're single, things can keep you away from people, block your relationships. And I ask you tonight, as we prepare for marriage, if that's something God's going to do in your life, please start with yourself. And if you have any issue that dates back years or decades, you ask yourself, what's up with me? What's really up with me? And why am I always ticked off like this? Or husbands, and wives, exactly the same thing. Help each other through what is a, 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 an enormous task in life. Help each other through married life. Just bow your heads a moment and just invite the worship team. Hallelujah. God, I pray that you would help us find ourselves. King David invited the light of the Holy Spirit to search his heart. He cried out to God that the the Holy Ghost, almost like a searchlight, would come and show him himself. Show him his own problems. Things he shouldn't be taking with him into the future. And we invite you in this place tonight, Lord.
come, Holy Spirit, like a mighty torchlight, like a mighty spotlight, and show me me. Show me myself, that I might not vent on my wife, or wives might not vent on their husbands, and rather we deal with our own issues, our own problems. And God, we pray a blessing on the singles here, that you would prepare them for happy, happy marriages, realistic expectations. God, for the couples, would you bless them? Bless them with wisdom and the implementation of all these things we've looked at. God, come and minister, Holy Spirit. Come and minister to us. Thank you for listening to today's program. I trust you have been blessed and edified by what you've heard. I want to ask you to do something, and that is to become a partner with us here at Preparing the Way. By doing so, you can help us to take these essential messages out to many other nations, many other people around the world. You can become a partner by visiting our website, preparingtheway.tv, and there you will find many ways that you can join us. Folks, it is a pleasure and an honor to partner with you in bringing in the end times harvest. God bless you, and once again, thank you for listening.